0: Hello, and welcome back to the weekly QSR web podcast. So happy you've joined us. I'm QSR web editor, Shelley Whitehead, and wanted to start things off today with a couple of questions, and that is, are you, or do you even know what it means to be invisibly healthy? Or how about this one? Do you ever eat clocklessly? If you are a limited service brand leader and a bit baffled by these terms, you probably aren't alone, but you probably do need to stick around and learn what they mean to your business when we talk with food trends analyst Susie Badaracco next. And right after Susie weighs in, hold on to hear from a Vegas-based Starbucks franchisee and casino president who has some valuable insight into how franchisees can work with corporate to veer a little off of the brand specs for store design. Both of these guests are right around the corner, so stay with us. At the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit, executives from leading brands will share their success stories of the numerous ways they have innovated to grow their franchises. Attendees will gain insight and inspiration to help them be more progressive in every facet of their businesses. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. Now, a guest who always fulfills the podcast challenge to be fun and fascinating, Susie Batteraco, president of the Oregon-based food trends think tank Culinary Todd's. Welcome, Susie. Hello. How are you? I'm good. You all have been busy out there in the great and beautiful northwestern city of Portland. (laughs) I I see you've got like a number of new reports out, including your annual look at eating trends. And what I love really about your eating trend analysis and reporting is that a lot of your predictions are inspired by data about the overall culture, uh, you know, and likewise, I think you just completed some trends analysis on liquid refreshment. So let's start there. What have you found okay. out about beverages?
1: Oh my goodness! So beverages is so complex. Um, right now, going into 2019 and, two, and and going forward, actually into 2020, one of the biggest overriding trends that affects the entire category is the draw towards lower alcohol or even no alcohol. Um, Several studies have found there's been a drop across generations, but mostly millennials and now little Gen Z coming up. Part of the interesting issue is that cannabis in several states is coming in as a competitor, which alcohol has never had a competitor until cannabis came along. So that's part of it. The other part of it is people don't want to be drunk every day. You know, they don't want to go out with They want to go out, have a good time, but be able to wake up the next morning and go to work. Right, without any complications. Now,
0: I don't know why that didn't occur to us baby boomers. but We were just having too much fun,
1: I think. So With that, what that's driving is in alcohol, it causes them to have to step up their game, whether it's beer or hard cider or whether it's the wine category. They have to step up their game because they're not the go-to beverage now when people go out. On the flip side with the non-alcohol, They also get to branch out in all different directions. So like with coffee, you know, you had um, nitro coffee. Now you've got mushroom coffee. You've got coffee plus function with added caffeine. Tea is the same way. You've got mushroom tea. You've got sparkling tea. You've got butterfly pea flower tea. Kombucha, moringa, you've got all of these different teas. Same with, you know, plant waters are not just coconut water. Now it's oat milk, maple water, cactus water, aloe water. So they get to have fun now because they're kind of bigger, you know, see more as the go-to thing. And then you have the preparation on top of it. So another layer like nitro, are you freezing it? Um, are you adding branded ice cubes to it? So there, there's multiple layers of how a company can like overlay these trends so that they make sense to the consumer, number one. but But more importantly, a company wants to – Make sure they're consistent in their own voice. You know what I mean? Don't do something that you wouldn't normally do or your clientele would not want. Everything on the menu, and they know this, everything on the menu needs to tell a consistent story. Okay, the worst thing a brand could do is put something on the menu that's a lone wolf. Something that's completely out there, super, you know, it's definitely in the media and so forth, but makes no sense to anything else on the menu. That's the worst thing you can do. What research shows is what you want to do is you want to put a family of crazies onto the menu. (laughs) If you're going to do something new, put a whole family of them, that they all marry, they all love each other, they're all sitting over here on the side of the fence perhaps, but you put a family of them. That makes it less risky actually to the consumer. They're more likely to pick something that's new and experimental and fun if there's like six things to pick from than if there's this little lone wolf sitting there on the menu. (laughs)
0: <laughs> ah, wonderful. Right, let's, let's switch now to your Culinary Trends Report. First, if you can tell us more really about that kind of cultural snapshot that you use as a filter to predict eating trends
2: through.
1: Yeah, so um, we always we always say if you want to predict something in the food industry or whatever your industry is, Never look at the food industry. Don't look at your industry. You will never predict anything. What you'll be doing is following what's already been born. Mm -hmm. So that's why we look at categories that bump up also against the food industry, like travel, government, worldwide technologies, uh, because what what we're trying to find is we're looking for birth patterns. And that's why our background is chaos analytics. It looks for birth patterns. So before something's born, we need to be able able to see it and tell our clients, yep, it's about to be born or you could make it be born. And with that comes the parents. We have to know the parents of all trends. So oddly, every trend has a parent, whether it's a diet trend or a flavor trend or a beverage. They all have parents. It's a very strange thing to think about.
0: You know, I I was reading under consumer behavior trends, uh, that you all have ventured into some subjects that I haven't, I can't even fathom what they are. Uh, Clockless eating and being invisibly healthy. Can you translate for the restaurateurs out there who need to understand what these things are and how it would apply to their menus? Give us some education.
1: Yeah, and um, those, I actually love those. Normally we, uh, at my company, we, we can't stand catchy terms because they're not really descriptive, but these two actually are very descriptive. Clockless eating literally means we're eating far more hours out of the day than we used to. So, you know, years ago we were eating like 10 hours a day. Now we're eating more like 14 hours a day. And there's a lot that goes into it. Part of it is the workday has changed. Many companies have 24-hour schedules, right? So you you may be on a schedule work-wise where you are eating throughout the day. Um, another influencer for clockless was uh, years ago it started the c- possible concept of you're not eating three meals a day, maybe you're eating six meals a day, some people. That actually contributed to clockless eating because now you're not tied into three times a day plus maybe a snack. You can eat any time you want. Um, social meetings have also contributed to clockless eating. So you're meeting Sounds friends like out. A, you're, am I correct yeah, you're, that that's a, a huge opportunity for restaurant brands? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and really the coffee culture years ago is what started it, hanging out at a coffee shop with friends contributed to clockless eating right because you could be hanging out anytime day or night after the club you might be going out for you know a dessert afterwards isn't any part of clockless eating so so it, it's something it was not started with xers or boomers it was started definitely when the millennial gen came in that's when clockless eating kind of started and that's also when other social changes started with the workday changes um and so forth and so the diet that's why we watch the diet industry that that's <laughs> that's where the eating six meals a day came from, right? It didn't come from the food industry. It came from the diet industry. Don't eat three meals, eat six meals. So that's why you have to watch peripheral in- uh, industries. Um, invisibly healthy, again is, I love that term only because it is actually is explanatory, is self-explanatory. Um, they don't want guilt. There's enough guilt in the world between social media and everything else going on. They don't want to feel guilty. So they want something to be healthy. They don't want to be hit over the head with it. They are smart enough to know what, you know, something is healthy and something is not healthy. So they want it to be invisibly healthy. The, the number one group you will scare away by overtly telling them this is a healthy salad or this is a healthy topping is millennial males. They, they will run screaming from you if you advertise it's healthy.
0: I thank you so much. It's fascinating. Oh, you're welcome. And hang in there, audience. We'll be right back with Starbucks franchisee Craig Cavalier. Many of the fastest growing and most successful chains in the restaurant industry are embracing innovation throughout their operations. These forward-thinking brands are constantly looking for the next innovation. New technologies, new menu items, new marketing tactics, new training programs, etc., that will propel them to even greater heights. Come and learn these innovations at the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. And we're back now with our interview with the president of Silverton Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, who recently added another Starbucks location to his company's sprawling complex of Businesses, homes, hotels, and entertainment venues. Only in this case, Cavalier wanted the location to really shine, which is no easy feat in a whole city that shines and sparkles in every way possible. But the cool thing is that Cavalier was able to get his slightly off-brand design done through the investment of some extra cash and space, along with the blessings of the chain's leadership, to do a little something out of their ordinary footprint. And we thought other brands' franchisees might be interested in how he made that happen. So I recently talked with Cavalier and asked him to provide his tips after having been through the experience with Starbucks. If you were to advise another franchise owner of any brand, on how to kind of begin the process of distinguishing a location, even in how they approach the corporate leadership on getting to do that, what tips would you offer?
2: Well, I'd say this: you know, we, we we're lucky enough to be licensed partners or franchise partners with Marriott uh, on an Autograph Collection hotel, uh, with Hyatt on a couple of Hyatt Place hotels with Marriott on a Spring Hill uh, project that we're doing with them. Of course, we have uh, now two stores with Starbucks. We're also landlord to Starbucks in multiple locations, but there's a big difference in being a landlord and collecting a rent check and actually being the licensee. My advice is, you know, pass the brand. you have Starbucks with 28,000 or so stores around the world. It really gets down to the people and you have to have a great working relationship with your sort of your brand manager for them, your local person got to have an advocate somewhere to, to believe in you. you've got to believe that they're going to, to watch your back and help you be successful. And then you got to look at the regional people and just look at the team that you're surrounding yourself with because you're only going to be as good as the support they're going to provide you. That's number one. Two, don't be afraid to not follow absolutely the brand book. If you follow the brand book you can be quite successful. Um, but the brand book isn't designed for every location. Location matters your local demographic matters, your local psychographic matters, just the DNA. If you're going into a shopping center and you're going to lease space, what else is happening around you? Why are those customers there? How how long do they stay? What do they do? How are you going to be successful? Because really you're trying to steal a customer from someone to put them in your place and share a wallet matters. How much are they spending there? How much are they going to spend in your place? Regardless of what the franchise that you're buying. Um, but most important, again, is the relationship with your, your, your team, in this case, my Starbucks team, and learning quickly or assessing quickly what kind of latitude and flexibility you want, and are they going to give it to you, um, that you need, and are they going to give it to you? And if you're not going to get any flexibility and you need it, then you should bail out. If you're going to, not going to give you flexibility and you want it, you should bail out and go find something else to do. And if you're lucky, like we found, we wanted it, we thought we needed it. They believed in us, they gave it to us, and um, and here we are. So, you know, it could have gone the other way, and it went this way on, on Starbucks. I'm finding that, actually, you know, frankly, true to be with our Hyatt and our Marriott partners. So today, I guess I'm a good advertisement for at least three international brands, but we're doing okay with them.
0: <laughs> I want to thank you so much for stopping in today and giving me yet another reason to go to Vegas, as if I needed right. one. But the location yeah. just sounds wonderful and I want to see it in person. So I'll be off there soon. I, I really look forward to seeing it. It was a pleasure to talk to you.
2: Great to talk to you and make sure you stand up front, take 10 pictures and uh, tell the world about it because we're having a lot of fun with it. Thank you.
0: And that about does it for another edition of our podcast. I hope you'll come right back here next Friday When the CEO of that very community-hearted pizza brand and pizzas, Michael Astoria, joins us to talk about growth, building connections, working toward the greater good, and a whole lot of other cool stuff. That's next week. Until then, I wish you a great weekend and an even better business week ahead.